which money apps are you using? Are you using ones that help you automate your life? Now, I know there's all sorts of different finance-related apps that will help you with your finances, but it can get confusing. So let's jump in and help you sort it all out. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights, just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Neiman, and welcome back to the show. Really excited as we close out 2019 with this amazing guest that we are going to have on. I Honestly, I can't believe we're all the way through 2019. Blows my mind how fast time is going. But I'm really excited with our guest because he's so knowledgeable in the area that we're about to talk in. And it's a really killer resource for all of us without having to spend the hours and hours testing out all these apps ourselves. I'm kind of known for trial and error with many of these finance apps, but it's nowhere near the in-depth knowledge that Tom Drake, our guest today, brings on the show. We're going to be talking about different apps like investing apps, budgeting apps, apps that kind of help you declutter, apps that can help you make money, as well as apps that sell your data and pay you in the app in the form of like coupons or rewards. That last one I know is a little bit of shocking to some of you, but let's be real, Google, Apple, Facebook, they know everything about us anyway. So let's not really be shocked when other companies are doing the same thing. Okay, never mind. I'll save that rant for the show. Let's jump in with Tom. Tom, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on the show. I'm really excited to have you here. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. Oh, it's going to be super fun. Tom's a good friend, and we've been chatting back and forth on different things that we could have these great discussions on the podcast with, and I couldn't think of anyone better than to bring Tom on and talk about all the different types of money apps that you might be using or could use. Tom has researched all of this stuff. He's done reviews on all this stuff, and I obviously haven't because it's not a passion of mine. So I'm really excited to kind of jump in and talk about some of these great money apps. Yeah, I've, I've always been kind of interested in tech things. So the, when all this this fintech, as they call it, financial technology came out, uh, I got really interested in it. That's awesome. Good for you and good for us that uh, we get to hear you <laughs> talk on it. So let's talk about money apps. And in these, I think it's probably good. I know you had a disclaimer that you kind of wanted to get out ahead. So all of us kind of knew like it's our data that they're going after, but I'll let you kind of take it. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a, a quote out there. I, I, I don't know who coined it, but it's if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Um, so, so this goes back to things like Facebook and such too. If if you're getting something for free, it means you're giving something up. They're either making a commission off their recommendations, or they're using your data in other ways. Uh, they they could be selling it sort of anonymously as as a bulk thing. Like the, uh, some of the survey companies will take your. You might be someone that's falls within 30 to 40 years old that lives in this state or something like that. And, and they'll package up that data and, and sell it off to other companies, advertising companies, magazines that need certain profiles and such like that. So you do become the commodity. 
Yeah, I mean, we all get that though, right? I mean, you're on Facebook, you're scrolling through and you had just mentioned some weird, obscure thing like <laughs> randomly and all of a sudden you see a Facebook ad for it because your microphone was on and Facebook delivers that ad right to you and you're like, how in the heck did they know? Or like you're searching something on Amazon and then it pops up in your Instagram feed or something. But anyway, we digress. Let's jump into, <laughs> into this. So we've got, as we were talking before, investing apps, we've got budgeting apps, things to sell your stuff and ways to make money with different apps. So where would you like to kind of start first? Well, I just want to say that, yeah, with the breakdown of all these apps, it's, it's certainly every one of them will help your finances in, in one way or the other. We could kind of dive into investing apps first if you want. Yeah, let's do it. So what are some of the investing apps that you have researched that kind of came to the top of your list? One I think is is really solid is Acorns. Um, it's, it's becoming very popular. The thing I like most about it is if someone, especially if you haven't been investing yet at all, it's a really good place to start. It'll round up your purchases and invest it away, basically like a robo-advisor, which we can get into. But it kind of takes some of the pain out of it. You're not you're not saying, well, I'm going to put away this percent of my income, which you should be doing. But as, as, as a starting point, this is where you can sort of round up and put some money aside based on your purchases. And, and you can put additional money in there as well. But uh, just to get started, I, I think it's a, a great app for that. Yeah. And and maybe it's a resident or a fellow listening that doesn't have a ton of money to invest. And that's okay. At that period of time in your career, if you're listening, you're a resident or fellow, like it's survival. But if you're going to make a purchase and it can round up from that $3.30 and round it to $4, but that 70 cents gets invested, why not? You probably won't feel it. You definitely probably won't feel the pain of, of investing in that. And I actually think it's a good way to just start to understand What's happening in the market? What are these ETFs you're going into? What is the strategy uh, that your money's being invested in? So yeah, absolutely love Acorns. I think that's a, a great way to get started. Any downsides to Acorns that you can think of? It's certainly not for someone that's further down the road. There, there's better ways to uh, invest in stocks or ETFs that they get a little more hands-on. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, sometimes they don't. If we go into, say, say robo-advisors, there's Betterment and Wealthfront sort of the, the two big ones in the US where you can you can make those automatic deposits to them and they'll automatically invest you in a portfolio of ETFs. So there's more efficient ways to do it like that instead of acorns. You, you can, yeah, you instead can of rounding up. Deep. Of course, um, yeah. Instead of rounding up, you can actually just put money away. So Yeah, exactly. And another similar way to go would be something like Robinhood where you can get into stocks and start doing free trades. Um, one of the downsides normally of, of investing in stocks on a lot of programs is uh, you have to pay the commissions every time you purchase mm -hmm. and sell. Yeah. So the in Robinhood is free to trade, correct? And they're they're the ones that give you the free share of stock when you sign up, correct? I'm not sure if they do or not. I can't remember. I, I know Stockpile does as well. All these different companies and apps, they all tried different ways to get us all to use their software and service. Like I can't remember if they're the ones or not, but Robinhood is free to trade though, right? Yeah, totally free to trade. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure if they if they give the stock away or not, but it, but Stockpile does, which is another similar uh, app that's out there. <laughs> but uh, I think Robinhood probably edges it out a little bit, uh, at least in popularity, if, if nothing else. Okay. So we got top two. Is there a third one that you like that kind of fits in this category? Yeah. One that's just a, a little bit different is is Fundrise. It allows you to invest in real estate. 
without getting into actually investing in real estate. <laughs> you mm-hmm. don't have to go out and 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 buy a, a property and and rent it out and everything like that. Fundrise just lets you invest in a piece of real estate similar to how when you buy a stock, you're really just investing in a piece of that company. So it's a great app that's uh, available to Americans to just kind of, I'm going to say play around in the market a bit, but I, I don't really mean that. I, just to get their, their feet wet in it where they're not really able to go out and, and buy a whole second rent, rental property. Yeah, it allows you to take a fractional interest in some sort of real estate deal, whether it's a commercial deal. So that would be like, let's say, a big shopping center that you might be doing, or it could be an apartment building that you would ultimately need millions of dollars to go buy in a team and everything. If you go and invest in these crowdfunded real estate platforms like Fundrise, you would be able to own a small piece of it. The minimums are probably pretty small, and it allows you to start taking ownership in real estate as a limited partner. I like the idea of them. I can't wait till we see a downturn in the market and see how these things perform because there's big ones like Realty Shares and Equity Multiple and all these other ones that are in the marketplace as well. And we've never seen a downturn yet to go through with these. So I'm always a little hesitant on these, but if it can come out kind of unscathed through a a down cycle, um, I think this would be an awesome way to get some alternative investments in, in someone's portfolio. You bring up a good point with alternative too. You, you wouldn't want to go all in on on real estate anyways. It, it would definitely be, and I guess that's what I was getting at with the play comment, is definitely a, a small portion of your portfolio. Uh, you're, you're better off sticking with traditional investing in stocks or ETFs and, and then some bonds. Exactly. One of the other ones that I do like in this category that I actually know of is M1, M1 Finance. They've got a really cool app that you can turn around and invest similar to Robinhood where it's free. But their difference is, is they allow you to build these, um, they call them pies and just think of like a pie chart. And you can have one stock, you can have a hundred different stocks or ETFs. So you can build a fully diversified portfolio of total stock market, total bond market, whatever, right? You can add it all in. And then anytime you put money at into your M1 account, it will go and buy it, even if it's a fractional share. Whereas at traditional brokerages like TD Ameritrade, you can't go do that. Even though we custody at TD Ameritrade and I, I like TD Ameritrade's institutional platform, you can't do what some of these apps are allowing you to do. So I think that was also a, another cool one. I've heard great things about M1, so I'm, I'm interested in looking into that. Yeah, you got to check it out. It's it's very similar to Robinhood in, in that, except for that pie concept. Let's talk budgeting apps. So I'm really big on Tiller and I've mentioned it a dozen thousand times on the show. You know, Tiller, it's essentially an Excel sheet or Google sheet, but it connects all your banks and your investment accounts and all these things together and allows you to build, you know, more complex, your own customized budgeting net worth sheets. And that's really good for money nerds like myself, you know, where I like to see the numbers. I like to play around the formulas. It is not for everyone. And so I know how you're going to get into this, but tell us a couple ones that are not for the uber money nerds like myself that are maybe a little easier to use if you just want a true app. So so one of the earlier apps that was out there is Mint. And it's probably the most hands-off of the options where it's it's pulling in your banking information and showing you all your spending. There's not a ton of interaction with it. I, I use it, but because of that lack of interaction, sometimes I ignore it. <laughs> so yep. th- there's definitely a, a benefit to actually, like you said, kind of getting into those numbers a little more. You need a budget is the other option. 
And I'd say it falls kind of in between those. Nowadays, you can pull in the, the bank information, but you can also do it manually so that you're really seeing what you're, you're doing there. You can, you can pull in, the, you can enter the money, you can, you can see how that affects your budget and everything. So I personally use Mint, but I do get that for, for a lot of people, you need something uh, a little more active so that you're, you're really seeing your money. Yeah, I'm a little more familiar with these ones just because when we were going through trying to figure out which apps we want to work with clients with, and we've mm -hmm. tested all of these. I wasn't so much a fan of Mint. It was the easiest to use by far, but I felt like there was a lot of ads in it. So I wasn't yeah. like super excited. And I know that's how they make their money, right? If you if they're not charging you, you are the product. Well, when you click yeah. on things, they're going to make money if you sign up for a service or or whatever they're doing with their kind of affiliate clicks. But YNAB was interesting. It was a little more hands-on. It required a little more thought and effort. Not everyone's brains work that way, where how they have it where you have to allocate everything into certain buckets and to get down to zero every month. I found it might have been a little too hands-on for some people, but I, I don't think maybe it was as hands-on as Tiller would be. So I, it's kind of cool. We have like not as hands-on kind of medium and then yeah. super money nerd in the weeds on it. But I also think like if you're in the weeds, like you're going to understand your finances a lot more. Yeah, exactly. It just, it depends on the personality, right? And and I like what you brought up about Mint. Um, they, they do have a ton of ads and sometimes you don't know their ads. So they'll happily give you credit card recommendations and such. Um, Surprise, that's it, an ad. They're going to yeah, get yeah, some exactly. affiliate they're commission. Some kind of commission out of yep, that. Exactly. Okay, so you had some good ones with selling apps as we were kind of pre-chatting on this. So let's go into the selling apps. So all these apps are a little bit different, but ultimately they're going to do the same thing, which is get rid of your junk. When I was in college, I... I spent most of my money. I wasn't saving. I wasn't investing. And I, and I spent it on the dumbest stuff. I had a, a VHS collection <laughs> that I had to get. Yes. Um, That's amazing, uh, Tom. I, I still have way too many CDs that I would love to sell. That's where these kind of apps come in. Declutter is probably the one I, I like the most. It was very uh, simple to use. A nice, easy app. Actually, let go is pretty close too, where you're just taking a picture of the item, posting it. It's very simple. It doesn't feel like you're creating an ad just to sell your your items or anything. It's pretty quick. Poshmark's another one. Very similar again, though. There's nothing that stands out to me, but really there's nothing stopping you from using all of these because you want to get your item in as many places as possible when you're trying to sell it. The only other thing I'd add, it's barely counts as a, an app nowadays, but Facebook has become so much bigger. But uh, Facebook groups is also an, another great place. Uh, there'll always be a local buy and sell group, um, definitely your city, but but possibly even your neighborhood. Yeah, like a Facebook marketplace and maybe have yeah. something in your neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's becoming a, a pretty big thing on Facebook. So uh, at some point they're, they're going to, well, then maybe they already are overshadowing some of these apps as the place to go. Yeah, they can, you know, just have a little dev time, go into it and take over one of these apps essentially overnight. But <laughs> possibly, yes. I know I noticed how eBay is not on your your selling apps. I have super old school. I've had like an eBay account for God since like two thousand or something crazy. But it's just it's clunky. They never update anything. Like they're so antiquated. Yeah, I've got a eBay account that goes back to Oh, before you could even use PayPal to pay for things. I remember oh, yeah. mailing checks when I was buying <laughs> yep. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> But you're right, exactly for that reason. It's a little outdated. Same with like posting something onto Craigslist. Uh, these things are, again, there's nothing wrong with including your item there anyway, if you want to take that extra time. It's just not quite as quick. It's not just sort of take a picture and you're done practically uh, <laughs> with mm -hmm. some of these other apps. 
Yeah. So, I mean, those are obviously a con, but are there any any other cons to using any one of those apps? No, I don't think so. They're basically free as far as I know. I've never seen uh, (laughs) any option to kind of upsell. So if they're all free marketplaces where you can can sell your item. And again, if you have the time to do it, I'm, I'm really a fan of putting them in as many places as you can, depending oh. on the item, how, what the ticket value is on that yeah. item. Yeah, it's and, a $10 item, just put it maybe yeah. in the donation pile, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you, you got to weigh that out. Yeah, the, the more places you can get it, the better. Yeah. Okay, so, and then our last one, which you have a lot on this list, mm-hmm. and I think this is going to be the most interesting one of what we've discussed, is the Make Money apps. And... Before we get into this, I know that obviously physicians are extremely busy and, and Tom knows this as well. And this might be when you're a med student, it might be when you're a resident, it might be for your kids, right? If you're old enough to have kids that could do some of these things, you know, some of these are really important. Or as the kids are getting older, I know Tom's got kids that are old enough to use one of these apps. And this is kind of how we got started on this whole conversation because I was like, it's what? How does that work? So I'm really excited to jump into these last ones. So let's talk about how we can make money with some of these apps. Yeah, this is the section I find most interesting too, because no matter what your finances, you you can only cut so much, but there's always opportunities to make more money. And some of these apps allow you to just randomly log in and and make money in your spare time. So some of them, you could literally be watching TV while you're doing it. (laughs) A couple I want to mention first in that vein that, that it's pretty simple. You can make a few dollars here or there on something like Survey Junkie or Swag Bucks. It's something where you're definitely trading your time for money. You can make money for sure, 100%. And if you're doing it while you're watching TV, then yes, it's kind of free money. I wouldn't consider replying to surveys to be like a part-time job though. (laughs) No, and it's very different. This is for the spouses of physicians. This is like our survey equivalent. Unfortunately, there's not big companies that want to pay us a bunch of money for our time and thought and expertise, unlike our significant others who, you know, can do a survey for 50 bucks for half an hour of something. But there is an equivalent I like, but probably not worth a ton of your time. But getting into more of the side hustle options, uh, I think one of the, the big ones that everyone's rather aware of is driving for Uber and Lyft in both of them. You can basically just log in when it's useful to you. So even if someone's working a lot, they can literally turn it on to be able to drive someone in the direction they're going on their way home. So if, if you're driving, driving home anyways, um, you could literally pick up a ride potentially during that trip. That's true. And it's funny, I go the other way, talking to a mutual friend, Robert, who's also been on the show, or he permanently uses Uber or Lyft and doesn't actually own a car because he figured out if it was actually more cost beneficial to do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, easily you could drive uh, on your way home or on your way somewhere and, and do something like that. And, and it might also be the spouse of the physician as physicians are quite busy. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a perfect sort of side job. Yes, if you're if you're working sixty plus hours a week, then chances are you're not interested in that at That's all. That's the last thing but you want to do. You never know. Depends on people's finances if, if they really want to. I, I had a, a med time. student like two weeks ago that wrote in, and he was telling me how he was like subsidizing some of his student debt and not taking out a ton of loans because he was driving a few hours a week, and sometimes he can get more, but he was driving a few hours a week. I mean, that was like the ultimate hustle. That guy's amazing to be able to yeah, do exactly. that. exactly. There's a few more driving-based apps uh, that, that are similar to, okay. to driving for Uber and Lyft, but a little more delivery-based. I'll just kind of rattle them off. There's sure. Uber Eats is where you deliver food from restaurants to people. Mm-hmm. There's 
Instacart, where you deliver groceries, you literally select the groceries and drive them in. Postmates, which is more traditional package delivery. So all three of those are, are different in their own way, but ultimately they're very similar. You're, you're turning on the app when it works for you and you're just picking up these, these random jobs. Got it. Okay. So you're the delivery person for this. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, they're all also great options, especially if you're short on time on the consumer side of that. I love Uber Eats to get restaurant food to your house and <laughs> uh, so something like Instacart to bring groceries to you. These are all uh, great options on both sides, the, the make money and the convenience side. Yeah, I've never used Instacart. I'm kind of curious how it works now. I'm yeah, the worst uh, at grocery shopping, like the worst. I walk in, I need, I need five things and I'll walk out and I'll be like, where did I just spend $100? Like, what just happened? Paying Terrible. a slight fee on Instacart would probably work out cheaper for you. <laughs> it probably will. Or I just have Taylor go because she knows that I will not buy the right things. One and two, I'll spend too much money. So grocery shopping is just terrible for me. Another sort of subsection of, of these apps is the rental area. Again, just like Uber, most people have heard of Airbnb where you, you rent your, your house, you rent a second house, you rent a room just on a, a short term to people that are traveling to your city or whatever. And it gives you a chance to make some some income. It's often cheaper than a hotel for the other side of it. So again, this is a great app to use on either side of the transaction. But uh, yep. it's it's sort of the most known way of making this sort of rental income from something you already own. Yeah. I mean, we're huge fans of Airbnb. We were lucky enough that they reached out and have, are a sponsor of the show, which is totally cool. But we also interviewed uh, an amazing person, Dr. David Jorginas, Doctors Unbound podcast. And he is like the Airbnb king. He has figured out how to buy rentals in his area where he lives in, in Frisco and throws them out on Airbnb and is just making so much more money than just a buy and hold type thing. I keep telling him he's got to yeah. do like a course or something because his strategy is phenomenal with it. And then Taylor and I use Airbnb all the time when we go different places because it's way easier than a hotel with two toddlers. So just like Uber with either of them, when you can you can open an app and it's it's familiar and you can you can find yeah, it. Yeah, it makes it simple. You pick what you want and and you you go ahead. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. Some apps that have kind of become the Airbnb of <laughs> is uh, isn't that funny how that works. Yeah, yeah. The, I hear that term all the time. The Uber of, and now there's the Air, Airbnb of with, yep. with this rental idea. Turo is one I've used, and, and I'm using it a couple more times this summer, is uh, basically car rentals. And way more convenient, like a lot of these apps. Now I've used it on the consumer side, but uh, you can also rent your car. There's stories out there of people buying Teslas just to rent them on Turo and pay the loan on it. <laughs> so, oh, so dude, don't. Are, are buying cars and paying it off. Don't with, tempt uh, me on this, man. Turo. I'm going to have to go crank all the numbers and Taylor's going to freak out on you if I'm like, hey, honey, I cranked all the numbers. And if we buy a Tesla and I can rent it out for 30 of 31 days, it makes sense. I'm it's kidding, by the way. I would not try. go do that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Idea. I should probably state I am totally joking on that because if I bought a Tesla, I'd drive it as well. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'm not sure the condition these cars end up in after so many rentals. Uh, I got to think it's probably better than car rentals because... Just like going back to eBay and a lot of these apps is you're being graded on both sides. You've got a, a score as a renter and you've got a, a score as the lender kind of thing. So mm -hmm. either way, 
there's sort of this connection to your name, just like Uber too. Like you, you can't be rude and you can't damage stuff <laughs> because it'll, it'll all show up on your score and your, and your history within that app. Yep. Well, that makes sense. I had no idea that that app existed. That's cool. When I used it the first time in, in Disneyland, I just needed a car for two days because we were right across from Disneyland. So I didn't need it for that. I, I mm-hmm. just needed to go to a couple other things. So what we did was we rented the car and some tourists will even give you the option of delivering it to your parking lot. No you way. Unlock, you can unlock it with the app. Some of them, they don't all have this. It depends on if the car has been modified for this, but yeah. you can unlock with the app, drive it, leave it back in your parking lot at the time that you agreed on and they'll come pick it up. So literally the two days I needed it, it just magically appears in the, in the parking lot of my hotel and I left it there and it, and it disappeared. That's insane. So it was a great uh, situation compared to standing in line at a, at a rental kiosk or anything like that. But on the make money side, yes, you can, you can rent a car out. Maybe you have that second car that you don't need all the time. You could put it up for rental, maybe maybe on the weekends or something like that. You don't need it. Uh, so you, you can have it set up on Turo to, to make a little money on the side. It's almost like the scooters. So Tom comes out every once in a while for a <laughs> conference in San Diego and we get to ride on the little scooters and pretend we're kids and having fun. But it's almost like that. They just like appear, you use it, you close the app and you're done. Like that seems pretty cool. I had no idea it existed. Exactly. And that's the way everything seems to be going lately. <laughs> so, I mean, it does make uh, it easier. Another one, basically exactly the same as that, but for RVs is Outdoorsy. That's crazy. Yeah, this 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 one just does the exact same thing where you can rent your RV. And I've always been a bit anti-RV because one, I didn't want to own it because I knew I'd only use it maybe two weekends of the year. And then on the other side is because of that, what am I going to do with it the rest of the time? So with Outdoorsy, you can either buy that RV and rent rent it out when you're not using it. Or you can do probably the smarter thing and just rent it the time you need it. Like if you're only going to use it once or twice a year, just rent one through Outdoorsy. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's kind of like a boat, right? It's best not to buy it. It's just best to be friends with someone who has one. So with an RV, it's kind of like, hey, I'll pay, you know, to use yours. But this would allow you to actually, you know, use an app to do that. RVs are probably not a very wise decision unless you're going to live in one. Uh, Like our buddy, Nick True, who's been on the show several times, you know, him and Hannah, they go around the whole country and do that, which sounds amazing. You know, they don't have kids, but they have dogs or cats. You know, they have like four animals to travel with. I would be super into like actually running an RV through that app. I, yeah, I wouldn't I, own one though. I would even be interested in buying one to then rent through that app. But but I would definitely buy used because of course you'll find an RV that's four years old, but has only been used like 10 times. <laughs> well, that's how it is, right? I mean, we'd all it's, want it's to bit. use it more, but most people don't live in it. You know, they use yeah. it, they're weekend warriors. They, you know, go out for very little. Yeah, you can get a better deal on a used RV than you can on a used car just because of the quality of it. It's almost pristine years later. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Do you have any um, other apps for us in, in how we can make money? Yeah, so the, the last section of apps I have are real simple ones. Again, your big warning on this one is that, yes, you're selling your data, but it's it's very anonymous. To me, personally, it doesn't bother me at all. But these are sort of set and almost forget there's one called dosh and there's one called drop and they both do basically the exact same thing that you connect your credit cards to them and and basically 
it's tracking your spending and then doing whatever it does with that data. <laughs> but uh, it's sort of an extra layer of rewards. So if you're into credit card rewards and, and stacking things, so you're, you're buying things on sale and you're getting your credit card rewards and all these other layers of rewards, this, this is an extra layer you can have where it's spending you're doing anyway, but certain spending sometimes, maybe it depends on certain stores or whatever, they'll give you a percentage back as points. And then you can cash in those points for gift cards most of the time, I think also cash. So it's, it's something that really once you set it, you can kind of forget it and then just check in every once in a while to check your balance and, and see if you want to withdraw those points into money. So yeah. with that one, like, I mean, that really is you are the data, you are the product that they're they're doing because they're collecting the data. Maybe it's you know anonymous, maybe it isn't, but they're selling out the data of your spending and how someone that is like your profile maybe spends yeah. and then they're tracking it. And then giving you some extra reward inside of it. I mean, it sounds like it's set and forget it. And if you're comfortable with other comments, I mean, by this time, look, you have a Gmail account, like Google knows everything you're doing. It's almost like, what's the difference? But I could totally get someone being like, I don't want to do that. But it for does sure. sound pretty easy. Set it and forget it. Yeah, there's going to be people that just aren't comfortable with that for sure. But personally, I, at least I, I find like if you can get an extra layer of rewards, I do it. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give my information away. There's one of the main banks here in Canada is actually putting out a bunch of apps within Canada. One similar to these, basically they're, they're going to have all the data <laughs> on everybody because there's, there's apps like this that track your spending. There's a budgeting app. So they're going to see all your information that way too. And this bank is, is behind all this uh, through sort of venture thing they're doing. So all that, that information is basically going back to them. Yeah, I mean, this is like a, I mean, let's be real. This is like a trillion dollar industry, right? With Google and Apple and Amazon. I mean, they, they all track your spending, Facebook. They all track your spending. They all know where you're going, like location on your phone. The microphones are on. I mean, we can't prove it, but come on. I can't tell you how many times like someone has said something and I've never talked about it. And then all of a sudden I'll see an ad for it. So, yeah. I mean, I've, we're, I've we're the product ideas. everywhere at this point. I can understand, though, people being hesitant on some of these very, very blatant ones. But to be real, like, we're always the product at this point. Yeah, you summed it up perfectly, like, with Facebook and Google and Amazon. The creepy factor of what they can do is is, is, is rather impressive, but uh, we're, we're still going to use those services. So Yeah, absolutely. There's Amazon now in San Diego. Literally, I mean, this is terrible but kind of awesome that technology's here you can get something in two hours from amazon because yeah. like we're near a hub in san diego i mean it's fascinating to see technology move this quick and just what they can do with it and then it's also terrifying to know what they can do with it because <laughs> it'll be like hey i think it's time for you to reorder your dog food i'm like how do they know like my dog is almost done like how did oh man they're on me yeah, it's all big business for them. Like in the case of the dog food, it might be just predicting that your your usage. But still, the more they can do that, the more convenient they can make it to of get course. You to, to spend. <laughs> all all the better for them. Yeah. Are there any other apps that you like that maybe we haven't talked on here as we kind of round out? Uh, there was an app that you said that you did with your kids that actually sparked this entire conversation. What was that app called again? Yeah. So that one was Rover. It's, Rover. Okay. It's an interesting app where you can walk dogs or do actual pet sitting maybe over a weekend or whatever. And yeah, with my kids, they're very interested in getting a dog and I'm very interested in not. Um, <laughs> so we're, uh, I want them to do this 
soon where they're going to pet sit a dog for the weekend. And I think that's going to teach them a couple lessons. <laughs> well, one, whether or not if they can care for a dog, but but also they're going to earn a little money on the side. So so it'll get them started. But what they earn that weekend will be theirs to keep. But just like all these apps, if you've got some spare time or maybe you really love animals, uh, you might want to do dog walking. It's, it's, it's not even a matter of using up all your spare time for money. It's It might be something you want to do anyway. Maybe you want to do a, a daily walk and, and you start offering that time up on Rover. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that's going to backfire on you though. I think the kids are going to do a great job and you're going to have a dog next time I see you. Well, I'll say it here. If they do a great job, then they'll earn it. Um, <laughs> okay. It's on record. I will send this file to your wife and be like, he said it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my biggest concern is I've heard all these, these sort of horror stories of, oh, I want a dog. I want a dog. And then the kids never take any responsibility and it becomes another thing for the parents to, yeah. to deal with. Mom and dad um, now have a dog. Yeah. yeah. So if, if they can sell me on it well enough, then they're going to win twice. They'll have a little money in their pocket and, and a dog in their house. <laughs> I love it. We had two dogs, unfortunately lost one dog this year. Uh, and we're thinking about getting another dog. And I keep telling Taylor, I was like, I want one. It's a lot of work. And when yeah. they're a puppy, it's usually me having to take them out in the middle of the night. And I was like, I kind of like sleeping now. We just got through this with two toddlers. Like, Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's a good way to get a little bit of that. Uh, instead of going full on ownership, maybe you just need a, a dog for a weekend. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I really like this. I mean, a lot of these ones I've never heard of. Uh, and, and I'm assuming that the audience, eh, they're probably more in touch with this stuff than I am. But I'm assuming they haven't heard some of these either. And I think this was really neat to go through and do kind of like a pro con and a big review of these. So thanks, Tom, so much for being on. For everyone who hasn't heard you, followed you, um, you've got a great podcast that's going on now. Tell everyone kind of what you're up to and where they can hear more and find more about you and follow you. So my site is maplemoney.com. Yes, I've, I've got a podcast just a little over a year old now called The Maple Money Show, uh, which you're a guest on already. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, Basically, I write and podcast towards a, a Canadian audience, but there's certainly a lot of universal topics that'll apply to anyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Tom and I, we talked about budgeting for high income earners. So it's something that, you know, we've shared in the group and you guys had some good feedback and comments and likes. And, you know, I encourage you guys to, to listen to his show. Podcasting is a great form, uh, medium to learn about things when you're doing other things. You could be running or driving or whatever. And, and Tom's got a great show as well. So Tom, thanks so much for being on. It's always fun to hang out, bud. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure hanging out with Tom and I really appreciate his time and coming on the show to give us a breakdown of a ton of great apps. So I always love doing our quick community update at the end and we have just closed the financial fellowship beta for our founding members. We had so many people reach out. It was really hard to limit it down, but I had to for the sake of making it the best that we can make it. So I want all of you to know that if you didn't get in or if you didn't have a chance to submit to get in, that we're going to be back up in April. So make sure that you're subscribed to our email list. You can do that by going to financialresonancy.com slash subscribe. So you won't miss out on your chance to get into the private fellowship group when it opens again in April. Well, that's it. As we close out 2019 with another amazing guest and show, I am so thankful for each and every one of you. And I really hope that this show is helping you take control of your finances and get it into action. We have so many amazing things planned for 2020 
to help you continue to make progress. And I can't wait to share it all with you. So have a great New Year's Eve, safe New Year's, and I look forward to all of us having a great 2020. Cheers. Cheers.